if you have your Bibles, I want to read a passage for you this morning from Psalms 18, verses 1 and 2, and then we'll go back and talk about that in just a moment. Psalms 18, verses 1 and 2. I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your love and your word. Help us, God, to not just hear it, and Father, to let it be planted in our hearts, God, so we can be a doer of the word. We thank you, God, that you've always been mindful of us and you watch for us. We pray today, God, that you'll help us, God, to do those things that you've called us to, to be able to reflect your love in Jesus' name. Amen. So the 18th Psalm, it's a psalm where David is reflecting, if you will, on the time that God delivered him from all of his enemies. Everybody say, from all of my enemies. Wouldn't I mean, think about this. and We can't really relate to it the way that David relates to it because we may have folks, you know, that talk about us or something, but David had people trying to kill him all the time. I mean, just, you know, literally plotting to take him out. And David spends the 18th chapter of Psalms reflecting on the fact that God delivered him from all that. Even, even the king of Israel, Saul at the time, was trying to take him out. And then all of a sudden, David finds that place of rest. Any of you ever been in turmoil? Anybody? Ever have? Not many? Any of you ever have some turmoil going on in your life, and in the midst of that turmoil, you're just looking for some peace? Any of you ever have a house full of kids during a holiday, and, you're, you, and, and, and they're running and screaming and hollering and enjoying themselves, and you're in the back going, <laughs> and, and, and you're, you're, you're just ready for a little bit of peace? Everybody say peace. So David reaches a point where he's not running anymore. He, his enemies have been subdued. God has taken care of them, and, and he chooses to reflect on this, and look how he starts this chapter off. I love you, Lord. You're my strength. The first thing he does is he doesn't start talking about how powerful his kingdom is now. But he reflects, and he doesn't talk about how powerful God is. What he does is he reflects about his love to God. And it's like he's not even talking to us. He's talking directly to God. And he says, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. Now, there are times in your life where everybody else has to take a back seat, and your focus isn't on anybody but God. And you're focusing on God long enough to describe how much you love him, how much you appreciate appreciate him and David makes the declaration I love you Lord Amen. and he confesses you 
are my strength. The king is not exalting in his ability, but he's declaring God is his source. You are my strength. Now listen to this. The Lord is, so then David, he first expresses his love. Then he goes on to recognize who God is. Now listen to what he says about who God is. The Lord is my rock. There, God is my rock. He's my fortress, my savior. He repeats that he's his rock whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me and my place of safety. He, he takes a moment here just to brag on God. When's the last time you bragged on God? Boy, you can always tell when you're in the first service, man. Everybody's okay. You ready? Everybody go like this. Okay. When's the last time? When's the last time you bragged on God? How many of you ladies like your husbands to brag on you? Now, if you don't raise your hand, don't expect any bragging. Okay, hold, hold your hand up if you, if you like it when your husbands brag on you. Or Tamika's got both hands up. I hope you take notice of that, Jason. And so, she, we, how many of you guys like it when your wives brag on you? Anybody? Anybody like it? Alex, you ain't been married long enough to know. <laughs> he, he likes it already. He's liking it already. So, here, here's the thing is that David is taking time to brag on God. Now, it's not like, you know, God needs David to brag on him because he's insecure. It's not like that God needs David to brag on him because he just, you know, he, he just has, you know, this personality complex. No, man, God knows who he is. But when we choose to brag on him, what that says is we know who he is. And it makes all the difference. I got to remember, I'm sorry, guys, I, I'm, I'm in the first service, so I got to move. Okay. Now, watch what he does. He recognizes who God is. Now, listen to David talk about what he was going through. This is in Psalms 18, 4 to 7. The ropes of death entangled me. Floods, floods of destruction swept over me. The grave wrapped its ropes around me. Death laid a trap in my path, but in my distress. Okay, he's talking about everything that he's going through. Now he talks about what he did when he was going through this stuff. He said, but in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ears. You're not going to get through life without going through some stuff. You're not going to get through life without having challenges and having people that want to take you out, if not physically, verbally, or assassinate your character, or try and undermine you. But this is what David does. David makes a declaration to us, and he's saying, when that stuff happens, you don't need to take it to anybody but God. You need to recognize that God is the only one that is able to free you from this. And he said that, I took it to him, and he heard me. That's faith. He declares, God heard me. David demonstrates his response when winds of adversity come. He calls on God. Everybody say, call on God. 
I guess it'd be a good time probably to tell you what the message is I'm speaking today. Would you say this with me? Dancing in the wind. So I want to speak to you a little bit today about dancing in the wind. We know how when winds of adversity come and they blow us every which way. But God wants to demonstrate to us that when winds of adversity come, you can learn how to dance in the wind. So he describes God's response when he prayed. <laughs> so David goes to God and tells God what the enemy's doing. And now listen to God's response to that. Then the earth, this is Psalms 18 and 7. Then the earth quaked and trembled. The foundations of the mountains shook. They quaked because of his anger. You remember last week when I was telling you what my mom did when she found out that that dentist slapped me when I was a kid and now I'm 40, yet she still got some anger as she's going on. And now I thought about this and I thought about how that, you know, as a, you know, I, I, I'm a grandparent now. And when I take a, my grandchildren like to the playground or something and, and I, I have to guard myself. Because like these older kids sometimes will want to push around your, and I realize that I'm not allowed to knock them down. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. If you're a grandparent, you know, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, don't you. And, and, and it's, just, it's just like all of a sudden something starts. And I thought about where does that come from? All of a sudden, when David goes to God and starts telling God about what the enemy has tried to do to him and take him out, the Bible said that mountains started to shake and tremble because of his anger. Don't, don't you think for a minute that God doesn't love you, that God doesn't care about you, that he's not mindful of what you're going through. When he sees the devil trying to take you out, he steps up. When he sees the enemy trying to destroy you, he begins to cause mountains to shake the mountains begin to shake I'm going to take my time if I'm not done I'm just not done now check this out so he's mad but then he does something else look at verse 10 and he rode upon a cherub and did fly he did fly upon the wings of the wind What's he doing? He's saying, David, you in trouble? <laughs> I love that scripture that says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against them. You do know that the original translation did not have any punctuation, right? You understand that. So when the King James translators translated it and they punctuated it, they got that comma in the wrong place. Well, who are you? I'm Rick McNeely. <laughs> And I'm telling you, when I read that, I don't read that the way they wrote it with that comma. I read it this way. When the enemy comes in, 
comma, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. I've got proof for it. Just read Psalms 18. When he finds out you're in trouble, he responds and he comes riding on the wings of the wind. I found, <laughs> if you're not careful before this service is over, you're going to find yourself dancing in the wind. Understanding that God, if God is for you, then who, my friend, can be against you? You don't have to fear. You don't have to be afraid you just need to say here I am God and I trust you dancing in the wind the word wind there now watch this because this is so powerful to me you read that that scripture I read before about that his anger that the mountains are shaking everything because of his anger the word wind in Hebrew there means breath or anger everybody say any of you ever been mad <laughs> you ever feel like you needed a distemper shot you know what i'm talking about it's like you get so mad that sometimes you ever been so mad that you started feeling yourself shake on the inside the the the, the, the scripture says anger but sin not because sometimes our anger can take us places we ought not be he didn't tell us not to get mad every once in a while you need to get angry every once in a while you need to get mad at what the devil's trying to do to your family uh, and stand up and begin to declare God uh, you are my source you're my rock you're my salvation you're my strength you're my shield and I'm going to pray and trust in you and when you do that he responds now his anger is righteous anger and so when he heard that and there's a, a the, he rides on the wind a breath of anger now watch this because this is so powerful to me Th this word actually comes from another word that is ruach and and this is what it means to blow or breathe to anticipate and enjoy and I looked at that and I thought, boy, that almost sounds like it's contrasting one another. Until, I, until I, I'm reading this and, I, I, and then I got it. I said, okay, God, I get it. That when we pray and you see what the enemy's doing, there's a breath of anger that rises from you. But because of that breath of anger, I, I can sit back and anticipate and enjoy what you're getting ready to do. I, I don't have to live in fear. I can live in joy. I, I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to run and hide. I can believe and stand on the promise of your word. Somebody say, standing on the promise. Now, in verse 10, David tells, I'm sorry, not verse 10, but in, in, in verse 10, he, he talked about how God came. And then in verse 16, he tells, and, and 46, he tells what God did. He reached down from heaven and rescued me. He drew me out of deep waters. The Lord lives. Praise to my rock. May the God of my salvation be exalted. I said, the Lord lives. 
praise to my rock. May the God of my salvation be exalted. So here's my question. Who's going to do the exalting? We are. <laughs> well, let's get a little bit more specific. Who's going to do the exalting? I am. So what are you waiting for? No, literally, literally. I mean, see, we... I, and I don't want anybody to take offense to what I'm going to say, but sometimes we come to church and we sit down and we, okay, see if you can move me. I've had a long week, you know, and, and, I'm, and, and I'm thinking, man, when we come to the house of God, David said, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house. I've been, the devil's been trying to destroy me all week long. David said, I was glad when I said, let's go to the house of God. And there he began to exalt him and adore him and love him because he knew that God was going to respond to his prayer. There is an anticipation of joy. How many of you, how many of you have ever watched the finals, like in the NBA? You know what I'm talking about, or any, or the World Series, any, any finals game, you know? We were, we were watching the NBA finals, it had been years ago, and the, the children were home, they were kids, and we were watching this basketball game, and I, I think it was the Bulls and the Lakers, I'm not, I'm not sure who the teams were, and I remember all of a sudden, man, our, our, our team won, the Bulls won, and I was, yeah, yeah. And Debbie saw the faces of the Lakers. And Debbie went, oh, how come they both can't win? <laughs> true story, true story. Uh, and uh, this, is, this is what I want you to understand. There's only one winner and one loser and you got to make up your mind which one you're going to be <laughs> you 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 can't you can't play both sides against the other you either have to stand with god and declare him exalted and righteous or you're going to wind up on the losing side of this i love that song that the henson said boy if i had a guitar it wouldn't do me any good because i can't play one but i thought about that song they did that said, some lawyers, wait a minute, some lawyers may win and a doctor may heal. And your banker can lend till your pockets are filled. But if yours is a case of a sin-stricken soul, then for the problem you face, there's only one place to go. You've got to climb up that mountain. Boy, I, I, I've got to go through this whole song to get to that part I wanted to. Anyway, in that song, somewhere in that song, I ain't got time to sing it all. It says, there's only two winning hands, and they were nailed to a tree. And I'm telling you, he took the pain so he could deliver us from ours. He took the pain, he took the stripes so we could be healed. And we need to grab hold of those winning hands. Somebody say, grab hold. Now, the Lord causes, so we, we see this, this, this wind, and it's a breath, a blast of anger, but it comes from a word that means to breathe or to blow, to anticipate and enjoy. So when the wind comes, <laughs> the Lord causes his enemies to flounder in the wind, but those that trust him, Learn how to dance in the wind. When, when you're, isn't it something because it's the same wind that's coming? 
the same wind that's blowing. How many of you have ever been involved in something and you find out that people respond differently than you? Same situation, but it depends on how you respond to it, whether you're going to flounder or dance. When the enemy comes in, uh, you're either going to capitulate uh, and collapse uh, and flounder, or you're going to stand up and raise your hands and let God be the wind under your wings uh, and begin to declare him, Lord. No wonder he said you will mount up uh, with wings like an eagle. Man, if I knew how to dance. <laughs> Dancing in the wind. I thought about Elijah and Ahab, they get together and there's this confrontation and, and Ahab's been, I mean, Elijah's, you know, been off someplace and, 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 and all the prophets have been hiding and, and, and man, it's just a bad time in Israel and, and, and things are going bad. And in the midst of that bad time, in the midst of a nation uh, that was in collapse and decline, uh, Elijah steps out and says, how long are you going to keep making, how long, let me get it in plain English, how long is it going to be until you make up your mind who you're going to serve? He said, how long halt you between two opinions? But let's put it in plain English. How long are you going to keep straddling the fence? When are you finally going to make up your mind who you're going to serve? And he said, meet me on top of Mount Carmel and they get up there and 450 prophets of Baal and you know what happens they build an altar they start to sacrifice he said let the God that answers by fire be Lord of all and all of a sudden you know they're jumping and up and down on that altar they break it they cut themselves and there's no fire Elijah prays and the fire falls and it hadn't rained for three and a half years how many of you have ever felt like you've been going through a dry spell? How many of you feel like it's been a while since you've danced in the wind? <laughs> How many of you feel like you need the joy of the Lord and because the joy of the Lord is your strength? And then all of a sudden, he goes to the mountain and he tells, he tells Ahab, nothing has happened yet except keep this victory. And all the people are shouting, the Lord, he is God. Let me tell you something. When the people begin to exalt God, something is getting ready to happen. When the people begin to magnify the Lord, there's getting ready to be something happen in the atmosphere. He looked at Ahab and he said, get off of the mountain. That the, or he said, he, said, get, he said, go eat and drink because there's a sound of an abundance of rain. Any of you ever hear a sound before? I was, I was preaching a revival in uh, West Monroe, Louisiana, and it was early in the morning. And, and early in the morning, I heard a phone ring. And I thought... What is that? And I'm trying, to, I'm trying to figure out what's going on, and I, I go to lay down, and I hear it again. And I ended up preaching a message that night called, Your Phone's Ringing. There was never a phone ringing except mine. In my ear, I could hear that phone ringing, and God was trying to get my attention. How many times has God tried to get your attention? And he's got a unique way of doing it. 
And so finally, he goes down and he begins to pray. Elijah's just saying, I feel something in my spirit. I know something's getting ready to happen. There is a sound. And he goes up to that mountain to pray. And they, man, this goes on. They back and forth, back and forth until finally the guy comes back and he said, well, there's a cloud about the size of a man's hand. And Elijah got so excited about that that he jumped up. You know, when, <clears throat> let me just say this. When you get to know God, it won't take lightning to get your attention. When you get acquainted with God and you begin to understand God, something as insignificant as a cloud about the size of a man's hand can cause you to understand that something's getting ready to break loose. Something's getting ready to happen. And he told him, he said, "You." he told Ahab, get off the mountain that the rain doesn't stop you. And he takes that chariot, man, he's beating that host horses with a whip riding down off that mountain. And the Bible said that there was a wind, a wind that began to whip up and rain came. And then the spirit, and on. Elijah found himself dancing in the wind. The Bible said that the Spirit of God came on him. He tucked his robe down in his belt, took off running, and outran Ahab's chariot. Which, see, you know, we, we never had problems dancing, did we? We used to dancing in the moonlight. She she's wanting me to tap dance. I don't have my tapping shoes on. You, you know what I'm talking about. Nobody, we never had a problem with just, you know, just cutting loose. And, and, and man, you know, everything from the funky chicken to the mashed potato. Jasmine's in the back going, what? The disco duck? I don't even know what the dance moves are now. It's just, I, I remember, man, watching. How many of you remember watching American Bandstand? <laughs> like somebody that needed a pill, man. I, I, I don't know what's going on, but look, I'm telling you, we, we, were, we, we would get beside ourselves and we weren't intimidated and we weren't inhibited, but now we come to church and we go, and we wonder why nobody wants to come. Listen, man, I'm telling you that I still dance, that I still get excited, that I'm still happy, that every once in a while I may still do a new step to a two-step. But I'm telling you this, that God is, is trying to wake us up and say, listen, my joy is your hope and your strength. He outruns the chariot. God wants us to learn that in the midst of turmoil, we can stand strong. That we can feel the wind of his spirit bear us up and carry us on eagle's wings until we find ourselves dancing in the wind. David's on the throne his kingdom is established. There's something missing. That that represented the presence of God. And so David said, I'm not going to have a kingdom where God's presence isn't known. And he goes after the Ark of the Covenant and get it from the house of Abinadab. And they 
start bringing it, and they've put it on a new cart pulled by an oxen. Ohio is, and Uzzah are escorting the ark, and all of a sudden it hits a chug hole, and the ark shifts, and Uzzah puts his hand out to try and keep it from falling, and God drops him on the spot. And David is afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to my house? And he walks away from it and sends it to Obedidim's house. See, the reason, and then something unique happens to Obedidim. The ark of the Lord is at his house for like three months in Obedidim starts getting blessed he gets a two-lump camel instead of a one he gets you know his, his whole household starts being blessed and multiplying and David's looking at it and David's trying to figure something out what what's going on and then David realizes you can't approach God just any old way he's a holy God and he wants us to show him reverence and respect and love. And while David did all those things, he forgot that God's presence isn't meant to be jostled around and drugged by oxen. It's to be carried by men. Do you understand that you're the temple of God and God has invested himself inside of you so every morning you wake up, you're carrying the presence of God. You, you my friend, have become an ambassador for the Lord and, and you've the reflection of his image. And so David recognized what he did wrong and he goes back and he gets the ark and he's taking it back home and he, he says, we did this wrong and he puts them in and he, they carry it in and when they get home, he gets so excited uh, that the Bible said that David danced before the Lord with all of his might. Uh, it doesn't talk about that David came into the royal coronation ceremony and started waltzing with his wife. Uh, it said he danced with all his might. You, I, I mean, do you, ever, do you ever wonder what that must have looked like to dance with all your might? Rick, stand up and dance with all your might. <laughs> See, <laughs> nobody, nobody wants to do that. Can I tell you something? When I was dating Debbie, I, I took her to church for one reason. I wanted to find out if she would worship God. Or if she was going to hold back, I'd had other girls at church and they'd all sat there. We were in a New Year's Eve service and God is my witness. God knew what I was doing. It's the first time she'd ever been to the church and she comes in and the spirit of the Lord starts moving and all of a sudden I look to the back and Debbie's got one, she's in high heel shoes and she's got one of these things going on. And I, right there, I went, that's the girl for me. Someone that will not hide her love and her devotion for God, but that will open up and begin to magnify him and begin to praise him. Amen. You know what, but what really gets to me is, I mean, I remember, I remember prom night. I had on, look, this goes back a ways. I had on a white silk shirt 
with a white scarf, whatever that was, thrown around my neck. It was like, literally, it was like an Elvis Presley thing. We went, we went, you know, and I, we go to the dance, and I'm out there, man, and I'm, you know, I, I got all, I, got, I didn't care what anybody thought. And then we get saved, and we come in, and we get intimidated, and we sit instead of raising our hands and worshiping God and recognize. That's why David said the first thing that came out of his mouth is, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. He didn't care. When David sees what's going on, he, he brings that ark back, and man, he gets so excited, he starts dancing. Here's the, lear the lesson we learned from that. When you mess up, you need to get up. Turn around and look at your neighbor and say that, would you? When we mess up, we need to get up. We, you, don't, you don't stay in your failure. Failure is only final if you refuse to get up. But if you're going to mess up, then you need to get up. There's so much turmoil in Jerusalem because of Jesus. His miracles created a wind of expectation. But for the Pharisees, it was winds of adversity. Finally, a guy meets with him privately and says, look, teacher, we know you come from God because you couldn't do what you're doing if you didn't. We got a problem with you. We got, he, he couldn't, Nicodemus is trying to wrap his mind around Jesus and hold on to the law at the same time. And Jesus is trying to let them know, I didn't come to destroy, I came to fulfill. The law could never save you, but the law kept you showed you, pointed out what you were doing wrong until I got there. I remember reading about a guy, it's a true story about a guy, they, this factory, everything was messing up and going wrong and they couldn't get this machine straightened out. They'd had all their mechanics, they'd had engineers look at it, they had everybody look at it, they send for this guy to come, the guy comes in, they explain what's going on, the guy goes over, he looks at the box and he walks down and he, he looks down here and he comes back and he opens up a panel, reaches inside and flips a switch. And the machine starts. And it start, it's running perfect. And they sent him, he sent them their bill, or his bill, $10,000. That's exactly what they said. And they said, we want an itemized billing. He said, flipping the switch, $1 knowing where the switch was at to flip $9,999. It's recognizing and understanding that we need God. Everybody say, we've got to have him. So Jesus looks at Nicodemus, man, I'm in trouble here. Jesus looks at Nicodemus and he says, look, man, unless you're born again, you can't inherit the kingdom of God. He said, how could I be born again? I can't go back in my mother's womb the second time. How's that possible? And he said, he said listen, he said, if those, unless you're born of the water and the spirit, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. What's he saying? He's saying there's, that humanity is born a certain way, but there's a way that you're born of the spirit. And then he goes to explain it to him. He said, the wind blows 
wherever it wants to. And you can feel it, and you can see the effects of it, but you really can't see the wind. You, you don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. He said, that's the way it is for those that are born of the Spirit. They end up crucifying Jesus. Everybody is depressed and hopeless, but Jesus rises on the third day. He hangs out with them, and everybody's excited. And then guess what happened? He got caught up with the wind. He goes, he's caught up in the air, and he goes away, but he tells him, he said, now you go, stare at Jerusalem. And then it happened. They're at Jerusalem, and when they're all in one place on one accord on the day of Pentecost, which is next week, guess what happened? All of a sudden, there came a sound like a rushing mighty wind. And these guys that had been hiding, these guys that had been fearful, found themselves dancing in the wind. Cloven tongues like fire set on them. And I tell you what, when you learn how to dance in the wind, you'll learn how to communicate with God differently. <laughs> he gave them a whole other language. Oh, somebody said, well, that was for then. Really? Well, I just happened to do it this morning. <laughs> it's for now. For you, for your children, all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. It never stopped. God's saying, I want you to learn how to dance in the wind. Now, I'm over, but I'm going to keep you for 30 more seconds. I was doing relief work in Joplin, Missouri. Tornado had come through, killed several hundred people. Man, it was, it was, it was devastating. While I was there, I met people that had been in that tornado and heard their stories and heard other stories about people. And they told me about a woman that had been in the tornado and she had her four-year-old son. And when she had him in her arms and that thing hit, it said it was like a vacuum cleaner. And it sucked that four-year-old boy right out of her arms. She was holding on for dear life but could not hold him and just, and he was gone. They found him miles away on the other side of town. There wasn't a scratch on him. They asked him, they asked him, they said, what happened? And here was the four-year-old's response. He said, this man with wings was teaching me how to fly. <laughs> he was dancing. <laughs> Would you stand with me today? Dancing in the wind. Uh, you may be going through something. You may feel like I've got no hope. I've got no help. I'm here to tell you that God is your fortress. Uh, he's your rock. Uh, and when he begins to move in the wind, uh, you don't have to worry. You need to learn how to rejoice uh, and just dance in his presence. Father, we thank you today for everyone in this building. I pray, God, that you apprehend their hearts. Father, that you bring us to a place of understanding and acknowledgement that you are our rock, that you are our strength, and that when winds of adversity come, you can turn them for us. And let us mount up with wings like eagles. You can teach us how to dance in the wind. And we give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on. God bless you. Give him a hand clap of praise. We love you. We'll see you next week.